When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say about the film described this was. Miller, lovely cushion header. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Topping Frackers, brought to you by Topsnap Frackers. I'm your host for this week, Julian, and today we're joined by a special guest, Naomi. How are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm perfectly well, thank you. Uh, how are you man are you excited to be on the pod today yeah no i'm really excited i'm really excited to get talking about that abysmal game that we all witnessed on sunday honestly but we'll get to that point yeah it's a damn shame that we had you on the first time um on the main pod for this <laughs> you was you was on the patron though um, yes which was which was very cool me and you and far he were just getting into the game and yeah we just literally we're going to compare and contrast today because the emotions going into the game last week compared to today Ah, it's very techy, man. Very mm-hmm. techy. And I'm here with the two ever presence, you know, pillars of Coppen now, Manny and Peter. How are you guys, man? Good, man. Doing well. Doing well. Good to be back again. Yeah, all well, good, man. I-, I think you might have had one of the funniest intros. Hey, one of the funniest intros. <laughs> if they want me, anyway. Honestly, but yeah. <laughs> that that yeah, if we had the vote, uh, I, I wish we I wish I saved that at least because two of the funniest intros, the second one <laughs> classic, trust me, man. It, it, it was amazing. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, um, so let's do some housekeeping. The Patreon, Peter, you yourself today was up against the ops of the weekend. 
touchy gooners doing one of our famous famous po um, post match pre match build ups. So how was it, man? Yeah. Just give the, the, the listeners a, a, a little a little preview to what we got cooking up on the Patreon against those 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 Arsenal lot. Yeah. So do you know what? It's I think if you're like uh, kind of you know someone that's been following the Touchline Media Group for a while, you know about like you know the fight cards that we used to have. Um, so it's kind of like reminiscent of that. So like um, obviously two from Copen, which was me and Dr. Mike. You know, some people call him Dr. Doolittle. But yeah, um, and obviously he was up against Sean and Mr. Coogs, Dan Coogs himself. So yeah, we just, you know, chopped up about the game, kind of analysed each other's, you know, team's strengths, weaknesses. Um, they were quite bullish um, about their chances. Obviously, we're confident about our, our team as well. So we've done a nice little combined lineup as well that we posted on Twitter. So um, yeah, get into that and tell us your opinions. But yeah, it was good, nice little proper pod. So yeah, definitely get into that and yeah. Good man, and I can't, I'm I'm going to listen to that, and I hope you've done us proud with the match lineups because yeah, man, I saw a bit of preview, and you know what I mean, it's they're good this season. Let me give them that because normally it was a dub for us before, but they're good this season, man. But you can get that on the Patreon, um, and also Cop and Fracas, we're running a competition um, that you can see pinned on our Twitter. If you go on our Twitter page, we're doing the signed Bobby Firmino book, um, the C Senor um, biography. Um, and you guys can win that plus a Kef hoodie. I haven't even got one. Do you know how crazy that is? Like I have been on this, I've been on this pod, pod for like three years, three, four seasons now, and I haven't even got a hoodie. But you guys can get one. So if you just go on, if you just go on our Twitter and you just comment your size, um, you might win. I might even comment as well because I want to read that book and see what um our boy Bobby Firmino was saying. Um and yeah, also the Discord, touchdown Discord over Christmas. How could I forget? Um, I I have been part of many discords. I've heard many bows. Um, the famous Aston Villa seven two. I was local for that, and yeah, it it it, get, it goes off in there. We, there's so many many more um, cast um, cast members from the other pods just jump on and yeah, just have a laugh at each other and hopefully you know we're drinking the blood of our enemies by the end of the the, the ninety minutes. Um, so yeah, man, if you want to if you want to go on the touchline Discord, be on it as well. Anyway, now we're at. I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel about this game, man, because I feel like now my emotions have kind of calmed down a lot. A couple of days have passed. Um, my emotions aren't as high. I'm. I've I've made peace with a lot of. I made peace with a lot of my thoughts. But I'm gonna ask you, Naomi, um, because <laughs> as our as our special guest, we want to hear your opinion first. How are you feeling um, compared 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 to the start of the game to now? So start of the game, like I say about a couple of days before the game, I was really confident, but like I was still like, it's United, it's, it's a derby, one-off games, they can just turn it up with that in mind. And then like a couple hours before the game, I was like nervous and like, okay, the pre-match dishes are starting. And then within the first five minutes of the game, I was like, oh my God, like this is such a great start. Like we can really like, if we get one now, like this could be a, a high scoring game. And then I feel like we just couldn't get that goal in and we kept let them grow into the game, grow into the game and like keeping them in their low block, couldn't couldn't break that down. And I just think at the end, it was just awful from us. I think there was a lot of players that just went up to par. I think Soboslai wasn't great and I'm one of his biggest fans. I think I don't think he was good at all. Um, I just feel like the front three, I have no idea what's going on. I feel like there's no chemistry. They 
they they have no idea how to read each other. That right hand side was horrible on um, Sunday. That's the worst our right hand side has ever been. I feel like Sobasai and Salah just had no connection whatsoever. I feel like Trent was pinging passes, not having no idea who to send those passes to. They weren't get they weren't reaching anyone. I just feel like he was so disjointed, if I'm being completely honest. I think the only players that can hold their head high is Simakas. Um, I thought Endo was fine, personally. I, I actually thought he had a good game. Again, he had no one to physically come up against. Um, um, Van Dijk, Konate, and yeah, those are the players I can say can hold their head high. The rest of them were just so below par, especially Soboslai. That He shocks me the most, I think, about how bad he was. Like, I mean, even Klopp hooked him, I think, pretty much straight after halftime. Like, he was awful. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into him because that 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 handsome guy from Hungary, um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to talk about him because he deserves his own little segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manny, the same goes to you. How, how are you feeling? Um, how are you feeling pre-match and our post-match? You know what, yeah. Pre-match, I was, I was confident, man, because I thought that, you know what, this is a chance, like, we're top of the league. I thought that the mentality of these guys, they were... If they were going to turn up for one game, you know, it was all set up for them to turn up. And just like Naomi said, like, agree with everything she said, like, we just didn't turn up. All the big guys didn't turn up. Um, It felt like the occasion got to us. The extra fans, maybe, I don't know. Like, it was all built up to be a big occasion. And, yeah, just players just hid under the lights, man. It was a shame. Um, I think I totally agree with, um, in terms of, you know, he said played well, I think I would agree these guys are the ones that deserve credit. But apart from that, I'm surprised that the guys didn't turn up today. Like, obviously, in, pers- in perspective, though, obviously taking a couple of days to calm down from the result. Like, even some of our some of our good teams, some of our most exciting teams, man, we, we got, as I say, when it was Mourinho back in the day, it's a similar kind of story, similar kind of thing. Uh, they just came and, and, and spoiled the atmosphere, spoiled our, our attacking flow. And yeah, man, it's it's humiliating, man. I'll be honest. That was a humiliating. I know it's nil-nil, so it seems like we're overreacting. But bro, that was humiliating, man. I felt embarrassed watching that on our behalf because obviously the everyone's watching this. It's a big game, 4.30 Sunday. Uh, and I think that like we just we played like a guy, bunch of guys that just met each other on the pitch straight away. Like that didn't seem joining at all. Yeah, that that is the feeling that I have as well. And yeah, it feels quite embarrassing. <laughs> Honestly, exactly just that. just after after that, that performance was actually quite embarrassing. Like I've never felt I'm not gonna say I've never felt embarrassed watching Liverpool because of course they've given us our fair share <laughs> over the years. But that especially this season with how things were going and how Man United were looking, you would think, okay, this is this is the time where we really show ourselves, where we really show what we're about. And unfortunately, it just it just looks like we didn't do that. Um mm. Peter, um as Naomi and Manny um, gave their emotions and thoughts, what about you? How was you feeling about the game pre-match and post-match now? You know what, yeah. In the chat, I think Mike was saying this as well. I just I knew it wasn't going to be like, we weren't going to get all our own way. So I had a feeling it was going to be quite a scrappy game because mm-hmm. United have been like in the pits, like they've been in the trenches and they have nothing to lose almost. And when a team has nothing to lose, they can afford to just sit there and low block and this counter and I feel like this game has kind of shown us and I already kind of had my own like feelings about this as well that just we obviously struggle to break down low blocks and that's one of the things in our teams that like you know we don't always have the key the kind of you know the 
different maybe game mod game you know not I won't say modules but different game like states to kind of break down teams in terms of like we always kind of maybe might mess up that final pass or you know like our players they don't really like tight spaces and a lot of our goals this year they've come from like transitions and mm. set pieces um they don't they or maybe someone coming off the bench against tired legs that, that's happened kind of kind of a few times as well but break down low block I think that's definitely one of the hardest things to do in football and I mm. feel like Klopp as well didn't he didn't choose, in my opinion, he didn't choose the best midfield to do that. That was quite a quick to do that. So I feel like someone like Harvey Elliott, I think he's got the best final pass on midfield, but he was obviously on the bench. Um, you know, suppose like and Gravenberch, they're guys who like to carry the ball in like, you know, open spaces. They like to go past players and he was not going to get that space against United. You know, they're not good enough. They know they can't go machine for machine for us. They're going to sit back, you know what I'm saying, and wait for a chance to, you know, get us. So that's what played out. And, we just didn't really have, you know, the facilities to kind of break them down. Um, you know, people's passing was sloppy. Um, now we obviously touched on Sabozla as well. And he wasn't great. But, yeah, and I think as well, with this team, I think this season, our top players, our world-class players, they've really stepped up. So, like, the likes of Virgil, Alisson, Trent, Salah, they've mm -hmm. been, like, top. Like, they've even, I would say they've even carried us at times, especially, like, someone like Alisson, who's, you know, how many 1v1s does he save? Trent in... City game, Trent in the Fulham game, have really stepped up. So I feel like now these other contributors, so your, you know, your Diaz's, your Nunes's, your Bozlai's, I think we're carrying them a little bit too much in this in this period. And it showed in that United game. I feel like they weren't able to step up, you know, help those, you know, big guys. So yeah, man, like I think they need to really step up and, you know, pull their socks up because if, you know, people think we're not going to win the league, we're not going to, you know, have a great season if just those men are carrying us. We need, you know, I mean, a huge effort from everyone. So, yeah, man, it just is what it is. It wasn't a great performance, but yeah, yeah, it, it was it was terrible. And the two positions that um that I'm most disappointed in, especially in that game, and maybe even if we're going to be honest, for the last couple of weeks, has been our midfield and attack. Um, these are the two positions, even this season, early on in the season, that we lauded very highly. We was like, yeah, these are the, we're, we're happy with this with these selections of what with these selections of ways. But since the McAllister injury and um, it looks like the and the Jota injury as well, we haven't some of these midfielders that have, that we've asked them to step up haven't stepped up. And I want you to just speak on it, Naomi, because you touched on it briefly. Shaposlai, what do you think it it has been over the last couple of weeks um, that has kind of contributed to this dip in form that we're seeing at the moment? Do you know what? I think he plays better with Jones alongside him. I feel like every time he's played with Jones, that midfield has looked more balanced. So I remember at first when Klopp used to choose yeah, Jones to go in there. Yeah? Everyone plays better with Jones alongside them. That's I agree. No, he's, oh, he's an unsung hero in that team. Him and Elliot, for sure. But I don't know. I just feel like they have that balance when they play together and then like McAllister as the six. I feel like I've not seen enough with Endo as the six to determine whether that's also, whether that's also, whether that's also a factor um, in that. But I just feel like, I don't know, something's just not clicking with him. It's, his decision making is just crazy because sometimes he will um, drive the ball forward and then he will shoot. I'm like, you don't have to shoot all the time. You can just find that final pass to make um pass to the attackers. So I'm just very confused. I just feel like maybe he's like overthinking his game a little bit because he's had such an amazing start. Maybe he's got to the point where he feels he has to over impress a bit more, where sometimes you just need to do the basics and you'll be fine. 
Um, so I think he just needs to go back to basics and start again and then he'll be fine. I have no doubt with his talent. He's going to be an amazing player with us. That does not even make me hesitate or question. I just think he has a bit of dip in, a bit dip in form that we just need to somehow find a way to pick that up. Maybe if that's the case, um, I think Saturday I would start him alongside Jones just to see if that is the case, if that's why he is the way he is at the moment. Yeah, um, it... Wish it was like I got because I got asked the same question on Touchline Frackers and I was and I was kind of I just didn't want to say he was out of form but that's probably what it is I was I was kind of tiptoeing around saying ah oh, maybe he's a bit tired and maybe he's had a bit, you know what I mean but I was like I'm with you after thinking about it it does seem like he is out of form and it's something that he's probably needs to going to play himself out of um, having McAllister gone doesn't help of course because he's been our designate six and over the last of this this that this game especially made me realize like wow like even though he hasn't been the best um yeah. it, he he's someone that we do miss in the side and Pete I'm gonna I'm gonna get to you because you you were you was quite big on this week being a week where either Elliot or Jones started um how do you feel about Klopp starting Shaposla do you feel like he should have started Shaposla over Elliot on that right hand side um yeah, do you know what? I get it. I understand, obviously. Suppose, like, I guess he is probably the first choice midfielder. Um, he started the season very well and he probably has some credit in the bank. But it's just like, you know, if Elliot scores against Crystal Palace, continues the game, mm. what else he's got to do to start? Like, literally, what else can he do more to start? Um, and against United, he was always going to win that midfield battle. You know, he was always going to win that midfield battle. So it didn't really matter who you kind of, you know, started, in my opinion. But the three I would have went for would have been Endo. Um, so I was like, and Jones, that's my feed because I just feel like, um, you know, Jones is the glue in for me. He's that glue in that team in terms of he's the best in when we like need to control possession and he's the best when we need to, you know, suffocate teams, keep them penned in. And I feel like he's um, passing is consistent. He's able to, he's crap press, press resist, well, press resistant as well. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think Klopp got it right in terms of, you know, that midfield um, free. I think Graven Birch as well. I don't know. It's for me. He's like he didn't really play well against Palace. Um, he didn't really play well against Fulham. He hasn't played well for a while, to be honest. Yeah, like also he started. He started the season quite well as well. Um, I think that was that in your initial kind of you know want to impress, want to do well. But I don't know. He's been a bit out of form. But Klopp seems to keep choosing him. So I'm not really sure what Klopp's seen for him to be so high in that kind of you know hierarchy. Mm. I don't know. Um, I was thinking about it earlier. I was just thinking. Maybe Klopp already had in his um, mind that because obviously we got a quarter final tomorrow with West Ham, right? Which we might get into. But so Klopp probably already had in his mind, maybe that Elliot Jones, Gakpo probably are going to start that game. So maybe he was just thinking like, okay, so I'll use Graven Birch for the United game, and then Elliot Jones and Gakpo will start the West Ham quarter final. But in my opinion, play your best team against you know United, and let's get the three points, and then you'll see what's left for the. West Ham game, in my opinion, but he didn't really seem to do that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think he definitely needs to give Jones and Elliot more game time. Like, they're not scrubs, man. Like, they're not scrubs. Like, those are very, very good players. Like, he does treat them sometimes like they're just the YGs of the squad and, you know, you'll get whatever you get. But, nah, man, they man have real quality. Um, like I said, Jones has, um, you know, great quality in terms of him being able to keep the ball and controlling the game. And Elliot probably has the best final pass as well in that midfield. So, um yeah, obviously there are concerns that maybe Elliot's, you know, defensive duties, maybe Jones as well. His application isn't always the best, but um, yeah, I think he should definitely get some more game time against Arsenal again. 
if Saka's going to be up against Shimikas, um Jones, I think Jones needs to help him. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. And uh, Manny, I'm going to come to you. Um, do you share the same sentiments that Klopp, in this game especially, where United midfield, yes, they had Kobe Mane who actually played pretty well um, in the game, but United midfield is nothing to be you know something where we don't need to rot- a game where we don't need to rotate where we could have took a, we took a, could have took a bit more chances. So do you feel like Jones or Elliot should have started this game over Graham Birch or Shabosla? Yeah, well, when it comes to Elliot, I said I believe I said on the report last week, well, I definitely was of the thought that I thought Elliot should have started purely on merit. I think that he deserved to play the next game. Um, just not even for the sake of replacing him or the Pacific game, but I just think that his form and his impact off the bench warrants a starting place. That's how I believe it should be. So I feel that he would have been helpful in the game itself and also he deserved to play. Um, I thought, I didn't necessarily think Elliot was going to play, but I did think that Jones was going to play ahead of um, Gravin Birch. Um, I understand it with Gravin Birch because the guy's got good, really good potential and he hasn't shown his best self yet at Liverpool, but I can see like the attributes that he has that's going to make him useful for us. So I feel like if it's a case where Klopp's just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to blood him into the Premier League and he's going to kind of play him through kind of the bad form and in the good form as well, then I guess that's just how he's going to try and do it. But um, I wouldn't have necessarily gone that way. I would have I would have started Jones ahead of him. I think he's just a bit more aggressive. He's more um, physically ready for the Premier League football and how we want to play in terms of the press. So I think that would have been a bit more a bit better for us. But then again, you'd think, in hindsight, you would think anyway that Gavin Birch against a low block should be a bit more helpful. And he did drive through the defenders a few times, but final ball was just lacking each time. And yeah, I think I, I, what, Klopp, I think he played the same team that played against Palace. And I was shocked by that because I thought we were shocking against Palace. Like we were terrible until the subs came on. I was 73 minutes and we were so much better. Obviously the red card helped. But even before that, we were already starting to look better. Yeah, apart from that, exactly. And obviously the defenders, same old, played well with Konate and Van Dijk. So everyone knows it was just a continuation of Crystal Palace. The front three were awful, the midfield were awful, and it didn't turn around until Jones and Elliot came on. So you'd think that let's start the game how we finished, uh, start with that same pressure uh, and then maybe change it up from the end. But yeah, something has to change in the next game because that group of players can't play again for a while, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't think Graven Birch will be playing this game. I think Klopp just said he's just tired, fatigue. Um, yeah, I actually, I, actually <laughs> I actually respect that for a man to be like, nah, bro, he's, I can't lie, he's not injured, nothing going on. Man's just tired, isn't it? Like, he does that all the time. I've clocked it as well. He can't last 90 minutes. So he does no. this thing where he goes down, no. pause, 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 I pause that. Um, <laughs> he does that. He does that thing where he goes down, yeah. Like, he's injured. He's not injured, bro. He's just tired. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> but yeah, um, hold tight, Gravin Birch, man. Get some sleep, you know what I mean? Drink your protein shakes, recover, because yeah, you're just getting tired. This is the Premier League as well. We're early in December. So <laughs> He's saying that him, schedule. Yeah, he's trying. He was just on the bench for by a minute for the whole year. So, like, literally the whole year. Barely had any appearances. Obviously, he's probably still getting matched with But, yeah, it's funny with him. Um, <laughs> maybe his recovery is, it, ain't, ain't too great. But, um, yeah. Uh, do you know what, as well? I want to ask you guys, because, obviously, Manny said that um, something has to change, you know, the next game. So, Mike's, Mike was of the opinion earlier that, he thinks that Trent might start midfield and then Gomez will probably go right back because in the last two games, Julian is not a fan of that. conversations, but maybe many might be. But in the last two games, obviously against, well, Fulham as well, when we were losing, he put Trent into midfield and obviously Trent gets the goal. At Palace, at halftime, Trent goes to midfield, Gomez comes on a right back and plays well. So, I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Would you guys do that? Are you a fan of that now or now? That wouldn't shock me if that was the case because we've always ended the games with, uh, like you said, with Gomez at right back. And I'm not going to lie, Gomez is having a good season. Like, I like the way he bombs forward. I like the way he... he. I want him to get his goal. Like, I feel it's going to happen this season. Like, he's just always so close to goal now and he's not as scared to drive forward. It's, like, amazing. He's, like, he's playing with confidence and I think we have to let that continue. And since Trent can play midfield, it's... It doesn't hurt to try something different. Do you know what I mean? Like, we know our right-back spot is covered with Jones there. So, might as well put Trent in midfield um, and see see what happens, you know? So, and you can always change that up. So, yeah, you might as well. I'm down for that. Yeah, I would, I would just kind of back that. I'm more from the angle that I feel like Trent in the inverted role, I feel like the big positive of Trent in the inverted role from right-back is obviously getting him in the centre of the pitch, just in general. Yeah. But I feel like at the moment... That's the kind of only positive that's kind of coming from that. I do feel like we are kind of struggling around that to accommodate that up quite a bit. And then it's getting really congested in the middle of the pitch. Uh, and we get no whiff when Trent's playing inverted. Obviously, when that changes, I think Gomez does try and do the traditional right-back route uh, and just goes down the line and tries to get crosses yeah. in. Uh, and it gives us a bit of variation when it comes to our play. You know, Trent can just stay in the middle uh, and focus on trying to pick up the passes rather than trying to hold the width and kind of be dictating at the same time. Um, I think that's kind of a big reason why. I think in the last few games, what, Sheffield, Palace and first half of United, um, we've got better or we've, not looked great with Trent in the inverted role. People, teams are stifling him a bit. He's not being as influential and he's having to move into the midfield full-time to kind of just focus on being a midfielder and picking up spaces there rather than focusing on being an inverted right-back. So I actually think he would kind of free up the team a bit if he was there from the start. I, I, I'm i going to actually disagree with you guys. I actually don't want to see that. As And as much as I love Gomez um, at right... Um, not Just 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 him in general, pause. Um, I just like, <laughs> great player, man. But I... It's nice that people want him to start and Trent in this in this inverted role, but I don't see it because Trent in this inverted role, what Manny just said is very true. We don't get wide enough. And when we don't get wide enough, we rely on our left-hand side. And unfortunately, our left-hand side is very, very haram right now. Like Graven Birch, Diaz and Shimikas, it is not nice at all. So 
But when and over the last two games, I feel like we've been forced onto that left hand side a bit more. And Trent, man, at, at, on the right hand side, at his best, he can be so creative um, and offer us so much width. But especially this season, maybe because he is taking that more inverted role, I feel like we've lacked a bit on that right hand side creatively. Um, even though Salah has got bare assists, but even those assists are a bit like they're they're a bit. I'm not going to speak too much of it, but I mean, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying. They're a bit, you know what I mean? So Trent hasn't been getting as much assists as I would like him to. He's been getting some goals, some very important goals. Um, but I feel like, especially from the start of a game where we need some control. And to me, that inverted role works when we're kind of chase, either chasing the game or we want to like impose ourselves in the game. And from the start, I don't know if it would work as well as we would, as we would like it to. Um, but we we can see. We can honestly see, but yeah, thanks for your opinions of that, guys, because that, that was pretty interesting. And now we move up the pitch to the the, the disgusting brothers, man. Oh. If you don't know what I'm talking about, oh, oh, oh. these guys, man, it's just disappointing, bruv. Like, we mm. was they were doing so so well at the start of the season, you know, mm. and we were getting plaudits for having such a potent um front three and and replacements to for that front three. But Diaz and Nunez, I'm, I'm, and to be fair, Salah's not going to escape this because I don't think Salah played very well. Like mm-hmm. he, he was in full, full uncle mode. Um, mm-hmm. against United. Yeah. Like he, he has was, credit though. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like top, top scoring, top scorer at the club, most goal contributions in the league. Like, come on, we're not going to get onto him too much. But mm-hmm. the disgusting brothers, Diaz and Nunez, we will speak oh, about them today. Mm-hmm. Naomi, I would like you to start proceedings. Yeah. So with Diaz, I just feel like. His decision making is just awful. Like he can't take on his man. It's like he freezes. It's like he pauses. I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, what are you actually doing? His decision making in the final third is just poor. I'm just like, there's times where he's like, doesn't know what to do. I'm like, put the ball in the box. Like literally, dancers just put the ball in the box. Like someone's so so it's not rocket science. I don't understand why he finds it so difficult. I I have no idea what's going on with him. Like his head is just not in it at all like I feel like he's obviously in it in terms of the football but like like his the IQ and the ability on the ball is just not connecting right now like some, some I, had, so and I, had to, I had to censor myself but but yeah man so was I so was I so was I <laughs> I was gonna say something mad but yeah I hope he's concentrated now that's all I'm gonna say yeah I hope, I hope things so got patterned, I, you know? like things got patterned for you like start you know what I mean go on <laughs> 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 no, literally, but like, um, yeah, with Diaz, I have no clue what's going on. Like, honestly, like he's horrendous. And then you have Nunes, who's even worse, who you feel like is just like, we've paid big money for you. I'm convinced this guy is just not going to take us to the promised land. I'm so sorry. Like, I have tried. I have really, really tried. Like, I've been on board with the whole chaos, yeah, with Lienza, like, you know, I've tried to be on it. Like, he's, mm. you know, everyone's like... <laughs> Hey, 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 no, 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 no,
I don't know if you this. I'm just yeah, I see. I'm just saying I'm all on board the chaos, but this guy is just like how many more chances can you get a game and you can't even finish, you can't even score one? Like it's just it's ridiculous. Like I just feel like for me, I just think we should find the right opportunity and just sell now. I'm done. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with him. A harsh, he harsh, really harsh annoyed person. me on Sunday, like really annoying. The way he just stopped, why oh, did he just no. stop like that? No, don't even, get even Diaz. That. I was just like, I think Naomi's the first person to ever make all the man in like shake, like rub their head <laughs> on pod. Only <laughs> Andy can probably do that, maybe, <laughs> but fuck, you know, that's brutal. Yeah. Every oh, man was like. Like, I do not discriminate, nothing like that, but I'm just reading what other people say and Some just going along with it. But I was on board, I was his biggest fan. I was like, it's gonna click, it's gonna click, it's gonna click. How many more times can we say it's gonna click? It's season two now, you know. I feel like we treat him like such a baby and we need mm. to be more harsh with him. And like say like no, you're underperforming. You need to fix up because we can't, we can't keep going any longer. Jota's not there, so we're gonna have to keep playing him. That's what's so annoying. We have to keep playing Diaz and um, Jota and um, sorry Nunes because Jota's not here, and until he's fit, we don't have that option to rotate like that. So yeah, it's just very frustrating. Yeah, um, Klopp today. Speaking of um, Nunes, Klopp today had some very very strong support for him. He said the following. You'd be a fool to write him off. The manager certainly hasn't. Now, Manny, I want to get your opinions on that. Have you written the boy from Uruguay off? <sighs> Not quite, man. But I'm, I'm that, I'm that close. I'm, I'm that close, bro. I'm telling you that that performance against United vexed me. So when Naomi was going off, I was like, I, I can't even argue too much against what she said because I went through the exact same thought process again. Because nah, Jordi you know is like he. What annoys me the most is that people give him the cut him the slap because he's got the raw talent and they're waiting for it to click. But now it's getting to the opposite for me. Like because he has the raw talent, it's annoying me now because you can't, you're better than what you're showing, and you need to be scoring more than this. I can't actually, I can't lie. Like I, I saw the list, I know it was like for mean purposes, but have you seen the list on Twitter of the strikers that have scored more goals than Nunes this season? And then you do you know what I mean, bro? And that's when it made me a deep it. And I was like, no, nah, why? Like, why, why, why do we have to accept this? No goals in 11 games, 12 games, whatever. But then you've got, like, Ollie Watkins. Like, I'm telling you, nobody would have, maybe few people, actually, because people read Ollie Watkins. But people weren't screaming for Ollie Watkins to come to Liverpool. And I promise you now, if this is the start he made in a Liverpool shirt, not people, no one would give him the slightest bit of chance. Yet they're of the same pedigree, in my opinion. Do you know what I mean? Like, one played in the Champions League, but... Until you play in the Champions League, you don't know what you're going to do in it. So I feel like we need to have a better perspective of Nunes. I don't give up on him because I still feel that he's got attributes that are beneficial to a team. And maybe if he just spends a summer learning the offside rule, do you know what I mean? That's a whole nother <laughs> bunch of goals that he's going to add. And then, I don't know, like watching him is just infuriating at the moment. It's like, like you, the guy's brain is just not there. He's not in sync with his teammates. But he has improved since last year, which is crazy. So who's to say that he won't continue to improve gradually still? But right now, nah, this ain't actually good enough. Like, this is actually kind of, this is really poor. I feel like we spent the money and money's for potential, but money's also for right now. And right now, 
is is really average. And yeah, you gotta be at least outscoring the likes of flipping like man's got the same goals as like Dwight McNeil and stuff like that. I swear, like mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking like something's got to give, man. So yeah, maybe we've gone the kind of the support and the support, the baby baby and root. Um, I think Naomi's got a point. It must have come to the point of a bit of tough love, man. Like, nah, you need to stop performing or you're not going to be starting in this team. Like, I, I said, personally, I don't know if anyone's agree, I'm happy to go back to Gakpo down the middle. I'm being serious. Like, people might not agree. I'm happy I'm happy to go back down to it because I feel like that was the way that got the best out of the other attackers in terms mm-hmm. of the link-up. Mm-hmm. And Nunes, like, we put him up top if we want goals. And if you're not going to get us goals, then I just don't really see the real, real benefit of having him in the start and 11 like that like maybe I'm still emotional from the game but it's going to take me a while to calm down from that because it was infuriating watching him like how can a man play with just no brain like that's 24 years old just don't understand it that 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 performance was my 13th reason like that <laughs> that, that, that that performance hey. was you know you know when you just where you feel like you're just woken up from a dream like that that was like all right you really really need to pattern up because that especially that chance where he was running into the box or dribbling into the box and then I don't know I still don't know what happened I don't know if Diaz got in the way I don't know if Nunez just stopped I don't know if they speak the same language so there couldn't have been a breakdown in communication like they they both speak Spanish so I Nunez have the Timberlands on man that's what it was Nunez just had his Timberlands on bro man was just tripping over his own feet man moving mm-hmm. clumsy. I couldn't believe it it was like watching Lukaku in the United days. The proper Lukaku. That's exactly what it was. Lukaku. Yeah, I, mean. uh, oh, I couldn't believe it. Um, Peter, um, speak on it, man. Like, what, 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 uh, what, what can possibly be going on with Diaz and Nunes at this current point? Mm. What can I say? What, they're like Chuckle Brothers at the moment, man. <laughs> they're like Chuckle Brothers, like. <laughs> It's weird. I feel like with okay, I'll start on, on Diaz. Um it's weird with Diaz because he actually started the season really well. Um, like especially in preseason, he was on fire. The Chelsea goal was a really good goal. And I'm thinking, okay, like he's probably he's added this to this game, you know, those out to in runs that Mana used to kind of do. He's scored quite a few headed goals to share. I'm thinking, okay, cool, he's gonna kick on. And then the stuff of like I, I don't think he's been the, even to be right, I don't think he's been the same since that stuff's happened with his yeah, I don't know. It's not obviously that's happened now. We have to judge his performance on the pitch, but like he just looks like he's lost the X factor, he's lost the unpredictability. Like, okay, when we, I, I go back to Diaz when we first signed him and that you know, that quadruple season, and he was like a breath of fresh air. Like, I was yeah. seeing him literally yeah. take on guys 24 7, you know, like mm. be unpredictable, get Hayes fullback, get to the byline, put crosses in. Like, I don't think he's even got an assist this year. And like, what Naomi was said was so. Right, like, when was the last time I see him like actually put across in the box? I, I ain't seen Diaz put across in the box for time. Like, when was the last time you saw Diaz, you know, find that, you know, you know, like, you know, the, the far post or like he doesn't really like the most you see him do, like, he doesn't even take on his fullback. Like, when he's playing against up against like people like Joe Ward, the guy's not even you're not even taking on Joe Ward. Joe Ward's like 40 years old. Um, like, the most he'll do is cut in, cut in, cut in, cut in, and then just pass it. Like, he'll do that runway, just cuts in, just drives into the middle, drives into the middle, and then just pass it off. Like, so yeah, I think with Diaz, also, I, 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 like, I think I have a bit more um, leniency with Diaz than Nunes because I feel like Diaz has shown me, you know, a bit of X quality, a bit of X factor. And I feel like, obviously, he's probably just out of form. And see, with me, 
obviously now we said that we haven't got a rotation. I would probably go with Gakpo left wing and Nunes up top. That's what I would do. I I, I want to see that because I feel yeah. like maybe um I think Gakpo is probably the best technically in terms of being able to keep the ball tight to him. Um, his ball striking is is pretty good. Um, he's a good passer as well. And yeah, the problem with my man up top here. Yeah, the problem with my man up top is that if you play if you play anyone else up top, they don't run in behind. So like. You know, when we played, who did we play? Oh, I can't what game was it? It might have been Sheffield. Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. Sheffield, yeah. Like, everything was in front of Sheffield and, like, no one was making any runs behind. And when he was on the pitch, chances happen. He doesn't convert them. Um, he's always a mess, but he always, like, something does happen when he's on the pitch. So he can, we are a better team when Nunes is on the pitch, unfortunately. So I feel like he does have to play at this moment in time with Jota being out. So I would like to say, see what maybe a Gakpo... Um, Salah and Nunes front three might do, but with Nunes, yeah, I think it's a big problem because he's just his conversion rate is just too low, man. It's too poor. Like this year, always says that thing in the main pod. Like I think his conversion rate is like twenty six percent, and like it's just nowhere near good enough. Like a good striker's conversion rate is normally like in the forties, um, well forty five, yeah. fifty or whatever. I think Salah's maybe like forty five or something like that. Like even like I think Timo Werner might have been like on like a thirty or something like that. Like. Nunez, 26%, like, he's just missing big chances for fun. Like, it's yeah. so poor. And it's like, yeah, okay, I see the raw talent you have. You're, you're quick. you got PMP. Um, you're running behind. You're, you're a threat. But it's just how long can we wait for that thing to click? Um, I don't know how long we can wait. You know, if he has another season like he did last season, um, we might have to bite the bullet. And I've been trying to fight, like, his corner for so long against opposition fans and, you know, um, against everyone, but it's just, yeah, it's it's not looking good, bruv. Like, it's really not looking good, like, for him. Um, and four goals, what, in the Premier League, like, it's just not good enough, man. Like, we need a better return. Um, and when Salah goes to AFCON as well, where are we going to get those goals from, you know? So, people like he needs to step up. Um, Diaz needs to step up. So, um, yeah, I, f- I feel like with Diaz, I think maybe a time on the bench might be good for him, but with Nunes, I think there's a big problem there. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not it's not looking good, bruv. I'll be honest. Um, the the problem I have with Gakpo, and I think you you mentioned it as well, is that when my man we call my man up front Nunes, but like when he's not on the pitch, it's just very static and nothing mm. nothing is going on. And I think maybe putting him out on the left may, maybe might give might give us a bit of bit of change a bit of required change because both of them are, um Diaz is, isn't really doing anything on that left-hand side anyway but yeah. with Gakpo the, the the problem I have with him this season is that it's all well and good him being a different dynamic and a different a different style of player but the things that we lauded him for and that he was good at he isn't particularly he hasn't particularly been good at this season in terms of link up in terms of um movement in terms of shot selection like I don't think I've seen him play that well for us to be like, all right, yeah, like even when we give him the chance, he doesn't really offer something different um enough for us to actually affect games this season. Um that's my biggest rhythm though. I was gonna say I think he needs rhythm because I think last season when he joined as well, like he for the first few games, like obviously Premier League adaption, but he was he, he struggled as well to be fair. But once he got into the flow of a few games in the position and he knows what he's doing, he knows his role, I think there's still a spell of games where we still see the same from Gakpo as well in terms of like what he was offering good for the team. So I think it's been a it's been a difficult season for him this one because obviously he's he's not in the first choice 
attack. Let's, if we're being honest, I think Klopp doesn't have him in his first choice attack. So he is kind of feeding off the scraps of the bench coming into on in midfield. Um, the old game at left wing, the old game up front. So he's he's kind of being the versatility player right now, and I don't think that's always easy for a player to an easy role for a player in the team, you know, especially to kind of get recognition. That's my kind of take on it anyway. Yeah, man. Um, I think that's enough we can talk about the actual game because as crazy as it is and as, as traumatising as that, as that result was, there was absolutely nothing to talk about. But we can talk about some post-match comments. And Naomi, I want to get your opinion on this um, because Van Dijk said this after the Liverpool-Man United game. He said, there was only one team trying to win the game, but unfortunately it did not happen. We were superior in all aspects. They were hoping to hurt us on the counter and they were buzzing and they are buzzing with a point. How do you feel about those comments? I think he's spot on. It's the truth. They did come for a point and they got what they wanted. And we had, what was it in the end? 33 shots in the end? Like so many shots um, mm -hmm. against their goal. I feel like, what was it in the first like 10 minutes? Didn't we have like seven corners or something ridiculous like that? We were penetrating their, um, what's it called? Their um, Onana, but they just could, kept soaking it up, soaking it up. But um, what annoys me after the comments was Roy Keane then going off off tangent and saying, oh, one Premier League in 30 years. I'm like, what is the correlation? That has nothing to do with the game about one um, league in um, 30 years and saying that we were arrogant. Like, weren't they the ones arrogant last season when we beat them 7-0 before the game and it was Sooners telling them to be careful? And then and then the, we flipped the script. So I don't know what they're talking about, to be honest. But I think Virgil was talking from a lot of frustration because he, at the end of the day, he did his job. He was absolutely fine that day. It was the people up top that let him and that back line down. So I think he was just frustrated and rightly so, but I don't think anything he said in the, those quotes were anything wrong. I think he stated what actually happened and that was the case. So, yeah. I, I respect I respect that opinion. Uh, Manny, do you have any different opinions on, on that? Um, nah, I can't lie. I, to I totally agree. I agreed at the time, man. Like my dad just said the facts, man. That's what that's what it was. They came to they didn't come to play football, they came to part of the bus, they came through like the same way Luton Town's gonna come through when they come to Anfield. It's the same kind of game, and and they're buzzing for a point. Like they are, they should be know they are. Do you know what I mean? So I don't really see what the, the big deal is. He just called it as it was. Um, they came and stunk the place out and they got the result. They're buzzing like they won. Uh, it probably feels like the 7 0 for them. So, like, obviously, Roy Keane's comments with just, if anything, he thinks Van Dyke's being salty. That's literally just him being salty because they now he understands the bigger picture that United are still dead. So now he's trying to get his own back. But at the end of the day, Van Dyke's correct. Like, they just done the, the typical, what's it called? The giant killer thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, the typical FA Cup. Round three, giant killing. They they came through and they tried to get the result. So I think he was totally right to say what he said. Obviously, he was a bit like from a place of frustration, but I don't think there's anything disrespectful about it. It's just the way the game played out. Uh, okay, I'm going to get Peter's opinion before I say what I want to say. When he comes on. Yeah, um... Mm, it's not. Really, it's just a little bit of tussling. Um, you know, I think Roy Keane is just backing his team. Um, maybe his ego is a little bit bruised by that kind of comment. You know, mm. they, you know, they were, United were a big team in in his day. You know, but the thing about the old days, <laughs> they're the old days. Yeah, they're the old days. So um, yeah, man, it just gets like that. You know, so 
Um, yeah, I think it was just back in. I, I don't really have a problem breaking what he said. Um, you know, United wanted to sit back. That's what they wanted to do. Like I said, they were in the trenches, so they were obviously going to be happy with a point. And yeah, I, I don't think Van Dijk, it is what it is, isn't it? Like, you know, people do what they have to do to get a point. Um, you know, Van Dijk probably talking from a, a place of frustration after the game as well. So, yeah, man, a li- little tussle. Yeah, something like All right. I'm, I'm going to disagree with all of you guys. I think Van Dyke was being a bitch, bruv. I think him and Klopp, sometimes in football, like you need to understand when you guys weren't good enough. And I, I said this on, on Touchline as well. Like, it's not like United were tactically set up and like they were, they were, they were literally giving us nothing. We were actually doing stuff with the ball. It's just that what we was doing with the ball was, was rubbish. Cool. And yeah. it, we we had a, a lot the lion's share of possession. We was always literally on in and around their in and around their box in the final third. We were just making poor 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 shots, poor passes, poor movement, and we just didn't do enough. I don't think United were even tactically set up um, to do well in that game. I, I personally, there were so many moments where we could have pounced, but we just literally wasn't good enough. And I feel like that that comment from Van Dijk was a bit like, "Come on, bro!" Like. Before yeah. I can understand in some games where we play like Mourinho in the past with Man United or Conte with Tottenham or whoever, cool, fine. Those type of guys who are actually tactically set up to, to, to do that, I can get it. But this game, I, I think they were there for the taking and we just didn't do that. And it's unfortunate, man. And that brings me on to our next topic, just the future. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the the Premier League um, running at the moment. I'm going to call it a title race because we're not even halfway through the season yet. But some people were having their eye on in May, we should be, you know I mean, the champions based on the results from last week and the results we had in, I know, I know, Naomi, I know. <laughs> but how are you guys feeling about the season now? With, with that result, um, has it changed your opinion on what this season can be? A bit, you know. I think, I think, I think, we're still it's still possible to win the league. Obviously, it's, I think it's a slim chance. I think we're the with a little horse in the in the race, put it that way, like with the with the, with the underdog, but it's still possible. I think City, Man City dictating this league what it takes to win the Premier League, innit? So the way that they're dropping points, if they can drop a few points, then we can drop a few points and so forth. The more points they can drop, the more points we can drop. However, there's gonna be a point where they're gonna go on their customary 15 game winning run. Uh, and that'll probably be when they come back from from Saudi. So I don't think I just looking at the game against United. I don't think we're ready. I feel like we're just a bit short. Maybe the the, the challenge has come maybe a, a year, a season too early for us. And the thing is, the only way I feel that we can bridge that gap in time for the title run is if we get a couple players in January, like a few game changers, not like massive massive players, but guys that can plug gaps and be properly competent in the positions we need them in. And I feel like we need to, there's, there's a bit of a gap in consistency between, in terms of where we play, between like us and like Man City and Arsenal. I think that like Arsenal are more, are more primed to win a Premier League than us right now. I think we've got half the players, like the Salas, the Van Dykes, the Trents, who have been there and done it. But then you've got a lot of unexperienced players who still need to prove themselves in a Liverpool shirt. Uh, and I think that's kind of why we are where we are near the top because of the guys that have been there and done it. But it's got to be more than them. It's got to be the full team. So I feel like maybe after a season of being of experience, maybe we'll be there. But I feel like it might be too soon for us this year. Um, Peter, I'm going to come to you. How 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 are you feeling after the game? 
in terms of what this will how this game will help pan out for the whole season? Um, yeah, I think my feelings haven't really changed. I feel like game kind of reaffirmed what my belief was. Um, just in terms of yeah, Manny, um, I think Manny said it spot on. To be honest, I feel like as fans, you know. Obviously, we've seen what it, what it looks like to win the Premier League. You know, we know what that team kind of looks like. You know, where to Doctor Doolittle himself. You know, what I'm saying, and I don't think this this um, you know some some clubs they don't know what it looks like. We know what it looks like. You know, what I'm saying? we know what type of team it takes. You know, what I'm saying we know what type of team it takes to win the Premier League. So um, yeah, I don't think this team is just quite there. I think obviously there's a couple of little gaps. Um, you know that we need to you know um, possibly fill in. In terms of you know that midfield, the midfield balance is not always on. I don't think Klopp knows his best midfield um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, I don't think he also knows sometimes you know the best midfield for each game. You know, so um, yeah, and then also the attack as well. I don't think our attack is consistent. Apart from Salah, I don't think the other attackers are probably consistent enough. You know, to maybe win a Premier League. I feel like we have a. We probably saying that I do think we have a very good attack in terms of the amount of options we have, but. Maybe individually they could step up in terms of their consistency, in terms of you know their performances and their goals and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So um yeah, I feel like this team may may, yeah, like I said, like many said, just be a bit under par in terms of winning the league, but it's still a very good team. And if you would have asked us, you know, at the beginning of the season, you go into December, um, and you're gonna play Arsenal, you're one point behind them. If you win, you can go on top of them. Everyone will take that, everyone will bite the hand off for that. So um yeah, we're in a very good position. It's been a good season for us, very good season for us. And, um, yeah, I'm very happy with the team and, you know, where we are on the table. But probably just just a little bit, you know, um, beneath maybe being a title-winning team. Obviously, I would hope that I'm wrong and maybe we can maybe rectify that in the summer. People were telling me and Julian that, you know, we've signed a, a DM in, in Endo, but that hasn't quite, um, you know, seemed to work out. But, hey, anyway, <laughs> anyway but, um, yeah. So it's little little digs in there. Sorry, Naomi. There's a couple little. You know what I'm saying? but yeah. Oh, Naomi, we'll come to you. How, how are you feeling about the season now after that game? Yeah, I agree with what everyone says. Like my expectation at the beginning was never to win the title. I was just like, let's get top four. We've got a whole new midfield. It will take a while to for them to like gel. I'm even quite shocked how quickly they have kind of gelled. If I'm being completely honest, but I think that's credit to Klopp I don't think any other manager would be able to get new people new players to gel quite like that um I just feel like this is gonna sound crazy but I don't think we've played well at all this season I think we've had moments but I there's no not one game maybe apart from the Aston Villa at home that I've been convinced by us like if I'm being completely honest and it eventually it was going to catch up to us and I was kind of always waiting for that moment and it was something that I'm just going to enjoy the ride like I'm not expecting us to win the title let's just get top four and see what happens the fact we're in December going to Arsenal where it's like a big blockbuster game to go top at Christmas I was I even tweeted the other day I was like if this league lets us win the league like they have to ask themselves questions because we're not good like we're not mm-hmm. title contending teams and if we were we'd probably be one of the worst teams to win it if in terms of quality if that makes sense so I think um we should just ride the wave I think our goal this season should be top four and Europa League I think we have to win that I think there's no excuse not to win that mm-hmm. maybe a cheeky Carabao Cup if we beat West Ham tomorrow why not add it to the collection um, but yeah, I just feel fans need to manage the expectations and just be realistic and sort of use their eyes to see what we're watching because 
this is not title winning performances at all. And I think, like you said, the four world class players we have in our team are dragging us over the line. And eventually, everyone else in the team has to chip in because they're not going to be able to do that for us all season. So no. if we sign a DM and maybe I'm not that worried about centre back because of Konza, I think Konza is mm. amazing. So I'm not as desperate for it and we've got Gomez that can play in that position as well but I think a DM and maybe maybe another attacker because I'm just so worried about our attack and then who knows what could happen yeah very measured expectations um and I uh, and I respect all those opinions from very smart people um I think we can get off of um the Premier League now and move to one oh, of the yeah. oh, I've got, go on, Peter. I've got um, like obviously I haven't been on the pod about so I've got a couple of opinions that yeah I might I have to get off my chest. Um, <laughs> Kwanzaa, yeah. Oh, bro, 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 come on here, man. You've been in a while, yeah. You're just uh, rushing away. Sorry, come on, man. Oh, no, kidding, man. I, I think he's good. I don't know if he's like, I don't know if he's top. Like, I think he's good. But like, I feel like I don't see him as a top tier talent in terms of, I feel like, okay. So my thing with him, he makes all the right decisions. And he's good physically. Like, that's the type of, you know, profile you want, um, you know, as a 20-year-old. But he's just, he's, he's maybe a bit too slow. Like, on the turn, he's not very quick. I don't know how high his ceiling is because I just feel like centre-backs, for them, if, if they haven't got that turn of pace, they are, they're understanding the reason of the game has to be top tier. You know what I'm saying? Like, because most centre-backs these days are really athletic or really quick. Um, so I'm just watching Kwanzaa. I don't know where he's seeing is. I think he's a good centre back. I couldn't tell you if he's going to be our starting centre back for the next 20 years or just be mm. a guy who's third or fourth choice for us. I don't know. It's I don't know. Say. I'm just saying. That's that. It's, it's not like a. I'm not rushing the YGs. I ain't taking his money. I got G checking him. I'm just saying. I, I, I don't know. I, think, I think with Kwanzaa, one thing we're especially with Liverpool fans this season, we're very lenient on him because it is his first season and he is performing at a top level. Like, he's, we've been asked him to come into top games. Like, the the game against Wolves, I think he played very well in. Um, I haven't been watching the Europa League like that, but I've been seeing us concede a few goals, so it doesn't exactly look good on paper. Um, against Crystal Palace, that was a game where the fears that you had, Peter, was the, the same that I had. It's like, oh, at this level, like, there's going to be those those times where you're going to be in positions like that a lot. And he does, from what I've seen, even when he comes onto the pitch, like give away quite a few fouls. But I can't, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Like it's not, it's just a wary, a wary look at a young talent and how we're rating him, especially in, in such a crucial position like centre back, where we need where we've needed to invest for a while. Um, but this season, especially with Matic being out with an ACL injury, it, it's looking very serious. Like I don't know how deep into the season. We can go with Kwanzaa and expect the big, the big trophies. If that makes sense. It's harsh on him. I feel like it's harsh on him. But yeah. now, now, how come you rate him? What's your feelings on, on Kwanzaa? I think he's twenty, is or even younger, coming in yeah. like his first season, and I think he's got a lot of attributes to be a very top centre back, and I think he's got a very good mentor around him under Virgil Van Dijk. I actually think they have quite similar. Um, attributes in some in terms of their presence their builds and everything the pacing I've not really noticed but I've my thing with it is I watch Tottenham for example they're not the best example and they have one centre-back in Van der Ven whose pace sa um, saves them out of trouble and Romero doesn't have the pace so I'm, my thing is 
does do both centre backs necessarily do that need that pace if one is able to cover cover for them, if that makes sense? I feel like that's not necessarily a necessity, if that makes sense, if he has other attributes in mm. in his locker. But like you said, it's his first season, he's developing. Um, I think maybe we can judge properly next season. Um, but I think in terms of first season goes and the situations he's been put in, I think he's done a great job. A centre-back in this day and age is not an easy position to play. I feel like there's a lot to be expected of a centre-back. It's not like back in the day where you just stay in your box and defend. You're, you should be, you're meant to be like ball playing and, you know, be able to drive the ball. There's a lot more expected from you. And I think he's shown that in certain circumstances. So, yeah, I think just give him time and he'll be OK. Agreed. Agreed. Um, well, I never thought we'd get into a Kwanzaa chat in this in, in this pod, but here we are, man. Hey, Kwanzaa, you know, we, we're looking out. We're looking out. Mm-hmm. Moving on to tomorrow, um, we have a calling. I still call it calling cup after all. Do <laughs> we have the EFL Cup quarterfinal with West Ham against West Ham tomorrow? Are we home or are we away? I think we're, we're home. 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 Home, yeah. So we've got a chance. Uh, yeah, we've got a good chance, man. Um, after this weekend, I'm going to come back to you, Manny. Um, how do you think we're going to set up for this game? And who do you think will get a rest and who do you think will start? And how serious do you think Klopp is going to take this competition? A lot yeah, of well, uh, yeah, I'm going to say, I think it'll be to one. No, I think in terms of players that are going to play, well, Jones and Elliot have to play. I think, obviously, they were held done by to only played 10, 15 minutes against United. So they got to be starting playing maybe the full game. Um, to be honest, Endo should probably still play. I feel like Endo right now is just he's just living the dream. Like man, just take just playing as much as he can right now, just with the injuries and whatnot. He's just getting the minutes he can. So get him on the pitch again. Don't even care about that. Um, in terms of the front three, obviously Gakpo is gonna have to start. Um, it's gonna be interesting with the front three now, you know, because obviously Ben Doak, obviously poor guy had a <laughs> long term injury confirmed today. Um, oh, so here. I was laughing yeah. at that, and I wasn't laughing was at it either. I was, la- I was laughing because every time someone mentions yeah. him, yeah, he's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, his the, the comp, that that Wales comp just comes into my head. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't know what my man's doing, man. Yeah, man. I'm gonna say he's on, he's on the, he's in the journey himself, man. But yeah, I'm gonna say unfortunately he's not gonna be an option because he might have had minutes. Who knows? But yeah, it's, it's 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 interesting. I'm not actually too sure how he's going to rotate. I don't think he's going to heavily heavily rotate because I think some people still need to get rhythm, as he says. Um, but if I'm him, take it seriously, man. Take it seriously. Like I don't think we should be turning our nose up at trophies. I think the EFL Cup and the teams that are in it, on paper, we should be the favourites. We should be the favourites of that competition, and we should be beating every team that's there. Obviously, I don't know who the winner of Chelsea Newcastle is, but that's going to be our toughest team left in the competition and on our bad day we should be beating them so we need to get a team out that can beat West Ham um, I think Elliot and Jones players like that are going to have a point to prove I'm sure they're going to be annoyed they didn't start the last game so hopefully they'll have um, the energy about them uh, players like Gakpo I'm sure he's going to want a point to prove and yeah I wouldn't take too many risks with the back four Konza um, obviously not to go back into the Konza chat but to put my two pence in uh, i'm on the contra side i'm a big fan of his um i think he's he's got he's got a bit about him something different so um hopefully he can play and, and, and show himself again um and yeah obviously gomez really liking what he's doing so far so i think they're the kind of play the nucleus of the team that we're going to use 
And whether we're going to get the result or not, it's hard to say. I was speaking to one of my friends, big West Ham fan, uh, and I was asking him, like, what do you reckon you lot will rest players? And he was like, no, Moyes doesn't do that. He, he like, yeah. they criticise him because he just plays the same 11 every competition. will be low. Every every yeah, Ward he'll be there. <laughs> Without fail, man. So they're probably going to go strong. They're probably going to use it as an opportunity. So, yeah, we can't be rotating too much. Uh, we need to get a good result at Anfield and... Yeah, if we win this game, I think we should go ahead and win it. Fair, man. Yeah. Naomi, do you agree that we should be taking this competition very seriously? 100%. Like I mentioned earlier, like we're not the favourites to win the league. So I think we're favourites in the Carabao Cup and I think we're favourites in the Europa League. So it doesn't harm us not to win trophies. It kind of reminds me of Chelsea back in the day. Remember when Chelsea would have a rubbish season, but they'll always end the season with a trophy and everyone just be like, how are they doing this? Mm. I think we should start becoming a team like that, where if we're, if we're not winning the Premier League and um, Champions League, we should at least try in the domestic cups because to- at the end of the day, trophies is trophies and it still feels like a decent season under the belt. So I don't think there's any harm. I think Klopp will take it seriously. Only because we've made it to the quarterfinals. I think if it was fourth round or whatever, whatever, sorry, I don't think he would. But I think now that he sees the team left, I'm pretty sure it's us, West Ham, Newcastle, well, Chelsea look like they're about to go out. I think it's like Middlesbrough, Port Vale. Like, come on, like we've got we've got to win. (laughs) You might as well. It's a free trophy at the end of the day. And it doesn't add too much to our playing time because finals in February and we don't play our next European Cup um, game till March. So... Might as well. There's no harm. And I'll come to you next, Peter. Um, what do you think? Do you think we should rotate um, heavily or do you think we should have some players that will play probably play against um, Arsenal on Saturday? I, I agree with everything everyone said. I think strong team, strong team, I feel. Um, do you know what? I've been on this Carabao Cup thing for a minute in terms of like, if you win it, man, that can be a great boost to your season. I remember on a quadruple season um 2021 he's never laughing at me there was a whole pod <laughs> title about the quadruple i mean the caribou cup I, I don't know if he was like, maybe julian farhi i was laughing at me like what you want to win a caribou cup you want to win a caribou cup <laughs> when, it came, when it came to the final we won it that gave us a great boost and all of a sudden everyone's yep. about quadruple and you know um obviously we beat chelsea in that final and yeah it was like it was a great day out in time it just gave that squad you know a great kind of you know um what's it called like a great boost to go on and start, you know, doing well in that season. So um, I'm more like, in terms of the Carabao and the FA Cup, I think it takes a lot more to win the FA Cup, just in terms of those games are later on in the season, mm-hmm. they're kind of jam-packed, maybe like in the Champions League and the Premier League and stuff like that. So um, with the Carabao, I think you can obviously win it in January and then kind of kick on with your season. So like I said, like, and it's a new group of players as well. It would be great, you know, to get a trophy in their first season yeah. and make them really feel settled and really feel comfortable. So yeah, I want us to go for it. Obviously, People like Jones, Elliot, Gakpo, Gomez, they don't start in, against um, United. So I think they should start um, midweek. That would be good for them. Um, but everyone else, yeah, still have like, you know, a, a solid team that can go and win the game at home as well. Obviously, we're good at home. So, yeah, and many raised a good point about Moyes. Moyes plays that same 11 every single competition, every single trophy. Kudos, Pequera, Owen, they're all going to play. So, yeah, um, I think if we, if we rotate, rotate the team, I think we should still have enough to beat them so um yeah let's let's, let's go for it let's do it man yeah you, you know what my big fear is with um with the game tomorrow is that i do want some rotation but we don't have enough players to rotate with like, rotate. 
looked, yeah. I was looking at the bench with uh, against United, and I remember just thinking, "Fine, this is spooky." Like we, we all seen some reg- FM regions on the bench, like so. With Jota and McAllister, and now Gravenberch out, I don't know what we can do to rotate um, heavily. Yeah, man, it's strange. I can't lie, it's strange. Um, if there's some players should even get rotated, I think. Do you know? I don't even know. I'm caught in two minds about either just telling Diaz to just go out there and just just run, just to just I don't know what he needs to play himself out of form or whatever it is. I feel like with Diaz, I don't know what it is with him yet, but I don't know if he has to just keep playing to get back to the what he was, or he just needs a lengthy break. But with the attack, there's not really too many options now because of the injuries. So um, I'm I'm tempted to just say Diaz go out there again, man, and just rectify that performance that we had to watch on Sunday like do something <laughs> yeah same man um these guys have got to do something and I'm thinking the same as you just flog them get them on the pitch for a, a semi easier game and hopefully they can play their way into form for Saturday against Arsenal um which we will touch on on our patrons on our patron um pre-match and um, weekend preview so look out for that guys right do you want to, do you guys want to do some listeners questions we haven't done them in yonks Mm-hmm. Let's do so. Okay. First question from Timmy at 20 um T Gully 24S. He asks, what does LS what does LFC fans ignore Trent's poor performances in midfield but still ask him to play there? Because the because he's poor defensively there and on the ball rushes things too much and that leads um that leads to dumb turnovers. In my opinion, he's better on and off the ball as a right back. Sorry, that, that tweet was a bit of a mess. I can't lie. Uh, but I think he, the main question is asking, why do why do NFC fans basically ignore Trent's poor mid um poor performances in midfield? I don't think he's been poor. He's been one of the best players. No, but when has he started in midfield? So what is exactly. he He's not started midfield. The games that he has changed to midfield, so the Fulham game where he went into midfield. He won the game for us. Um, the game, he went into midfield. We won the game. Um, United, he wasn't too great, but he was next to Endo, so you know, fair. Um, just like we haven't really seen Trent in midfield for Liverpool, so especially on a consistent um, basis. So, um, like I would say, it's unfair to be like we um, ignore them. We don't. We just haven't seen it enough. But I think the people, the reason why people do want to see Trent there is because obviously he has an amazing, you know, talent in terms of. On the ball, so he's he's striking, um, he's passing. I mean, it's just his technique, you know. So obviously, people want that quality in midfield because, you know, that's where you can thread passes. That's where you know you can create chances. So it's that obviously temptation. The temptation is is to um play him there. Obviously, we don't know whether he has you know the kind of no no rule in terms of you know that kind of ability to kind of scan to you know have players around him constantly because when you're in right back or you're in Burton, you're going into there or you're arriving late. So that's another thing. Um, but obviously, people just want to see that type of quality, that type of, you know, um, quality on the ball in midfield. So I think that's that's the temptation. I do think he probably will end up in his career there or he'll definitely go into that at some point. But whether he does it now is another thing. So, yeah. I really hope I Trent will be But if you, if you guys think he's going to go there, I don't mind. Um, yeah, I you guys will, man. Go on now, go on, go on, Peter, quickly. No, I think the fact that Klopp keeps doing it in these games where it's like, all right, we're losing. Turning to midfield, it's only a matter of time before he starts him there. I think, not sure against Arsenal because they're playing against Odegaard, Rice, and top tier talent. So I don't know about that, but um, he'll he'll go there soon. I think. 
Yeah, I think it's just interesting to find out. I'm going to say what role in the midfield he eventually does fit into because it's kind of like at the moment they're trying him at the deep line, deep line playmaker. We're already trying to dictate from deep, but I always envisage Trent's best role in the midfield being where suppose I was playing now and kind of being the overload player on the right side because it feels like we don't see the guy cross no more, man. It's all kind of pinging passes like i feel like we don't see the guy just whip it into the box like he used to in the old days and sometimes we just miss that like against united like, i don't know why Klopp doesn't just say like you know what obviously let's just scrap the midfielding for a second just pull yourself out wide be the spare man go out wide and just whip the crosses in as well i feel like we missed that as well so in that kind of right-sided channel i feel like you get the best of being central of the pitch but still being able to pull out wide and dictate from there as well so, yeah, I'm not sure about the deep line playmaker thing, but uh, midfield, for sure, at some point, he should he should be there, man. I think he's good there. Okay. And we'll move on to the next question. And this is from Zeno5World. Um, saw some clips of us online playing a 4-2-3-1 in the second half of the United game. How do you, how do you lot feel about moving forward with this formation? I'll come to you, Naomi. Mm. Mm, I don't know. I feel like I even tweeted it. I actually feel that I kind of miss us being a high pressing team. I kind of miss the way we used to play like with a high line. And I think we played our best football when we used to play 4-3-3 high pressing. But then that obviously depends on having workhorses in midfield, like your Hendersons and things like that. So I'm not sure if it will work with the plays we have because the plays we have are too technical for that. But I do miss us pressing really high. With the 4-2-3-1, that's like overloading the attack. And in the low block, the amount of times we played the low block and we've tried that, it's not worked. So I don't know. It depends on the opposition that we face to um, go with that formation. But I don't think against a low block that has worked for us in the past. And Sunday proved that for me personally. That's, it's never worked that. It's, it's so funny. Everyone like calls for that formation all the time, but you never had that. Like you need, for me, if you want to play a four to three one, then you, you you basically need James Madison. Like you need that ten. Like you need or Bruno. Yeah. Like, you need a, like who's gonna play ten in that role? Like Curtis or Elliot. It doesn't really suit them like that. So um, we've seen that at times. Like I remember when Shakiri done it. Um, yeah. I think it was against City. What I remember one game against City where Klopp started with a 4-2-3-1, in fact, and like we were bombing yeah, them for like the first uh, half an hour. Yeah, Jota, Firmino, Mane, Sella. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. First half an hour, we just absolutely killed them. Yeah. And then they grew up the game yeah. and then it was like a 1-1. So mm -hmm. I think it can happen in different games. So like maybe if you know the opposing team going to be like a low block, but I don't think we have the player profiles and I don't think we have yeah. like a of 10 to play a 4 3 one consistently. Yeah, I think with us, it kind of, instead of being a 4-2-3-1, it ends up being like a more of a 4-4-2 just because of the profiles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it can only work in terms of being a plan B. I do think it has helped in terms of a plan B, bringing on Gakpo to replace a midfielder so then he can just kind of ghost into the box and be a spare man and kind of cause trouble like that. I feel like that's a nice alternative. But in terms of starting the game like that and stuff, nah, I don't think it, it ends up working well. I think it's more like a plan B. Okay. And the next question is from Jeff Fannikin. And he asks, are we all in agreement that Klopp has to change something tactically? I can't comprehend everyone playing at the centre of the pitch and the lack of lack of width. When will Klopp when will Klopp realise that right now the best, the best, his best team is Gomez providing with right back and Trent in, in the middle? 
yeah, like he he has to change something tactically. I think yeah. there's there is fundamentally like just watching our team play, like there is things that he needs to tweak. Like we can blame the players, we can blame the players a lot, but I feel like they are also struggling because of the way we're set up right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the whip thing, yeah, the whip is as I say, whole, whole seasons I've noticed it. Like we just lack whip from both sides now. Um, I feel like, I don't know who in that kind of right channel between Trent, Salah and Sobo, I don't know whose responsibility it is to kind of hold the whip. It feels like Salah is always um, inverting, Trent's always inverting, Sobo every now and then will kind of pull out wide, but then he won't do it often enough. So I don't know what the instructions are in that sense, but obviously he needs to sort that out. Um, I feel like the balance in the team, like when we're attacking, um, there doesn't seem like much cohesion going on right there. It doesn't seem like things are being being practiced, which I'm sure they are. So I don't even know what's going to explain that. But yeah, I feel like things need to be tweaked to help out the players as well as the players stepping up themselves. That tweak, like you wouldn't think that we just drew against United, like Vlad, like yeah. <laughs> you know what's what's when second of gonna realize. <laughs> Like, where's Klopp gonna like, bro? Like, if we won the game, you're gonna say Klopp's the greatest manager ever. Now, what? So, like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about changing formation, all of this stuff. Like, there are definitely little tweaks, like, it's shed so maybe more, more, more width. Um, I think it's more change of personnel. So, just getting that right midfield combination, you know, maybe throwing in a gap ball there sometimes, maybe throwing a Gomez there sometimes. It's not about like a whole Gomez in the no, Gomez right back. Oh, I mean, did I say midfield? So yeah, it's just it's more about just little like tweaks and the overhaul. Like we it's been a good season. I feel like um, you know, we played well at times, we haven't played the best, but um, you know, it's it's been good enough for me. So I just feel like little tweaks are needed and just maybe looking at the game and knowing, all right, you know, grandma much needed for this game, Jones needed for that game, Elliot's needed for this game, and just maybe trusting the squad a bit more. So um I don't let's not like go, you know, over like overboard with it. Like, you know, getting a draw against United, your biggest rivals, it can happen. Um, we're playing against Arsenal as well, probably the best team in the league, some may say as well. So um these things might happen, but it's more tweaks and than complete changes for me. Cool. And another question from Zeno what Zeno Five World. Do you think with an out and out nine um, in Nunes, the club should be looking at, tr- at, tr- at looking to identify traditional wingers as opposed to inside forwards. If so, who would you be willing to sell from that from our front from our front line, and who would you be looking at as a replacement? Bro, really, people are really on the front three. Bro, there's, there's too much trust in Nunes for that <laughs> suggestion, bro. I'm telling you, like, like, you're talking about building a team around him now. For Nunes, how about Nunes go? You're know <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting wingers for Nunes, changing the whole dynamic. Imagine he still doesn't score, bro. Where do we go from there? Where do we go? <laughs> we go up in front of the whole team. I think Nunes needs to pattern up, man. He's got, he gets enough chances the way we play to score more goals. That's what that's my view. So, what you what? So, what none of you are, are feeling the whole identify traditional wingers? Is just no. Nunes needs no. to stop being us. Nunes, he has enough chances. <laughs> oh, okay. chances missed. Focus on that. Score. Focus on that. Then we can talk about wingers. First of all, yeah. score your your chances that you have now. Hey man, there you go. The, I, I I thought everyone's going to be. Oh yeah, maybe we need to get Carver from Napoli. Get Neto. Now I said, nah. You know, just bagging. Yeah, I respect it. I respect it. And uh, the last question, just question from Wizard Chai. 
do Liverpool need to consider getting rid of Nunes at the end of the season if he doesn't bang this season? No comment? No comment. <laughs> I won't speak without my lawyers. <laughs> no comment? Okay. <laughs> All right. I was, I, was, I was waiting for... No? No? Yeah, okay. I beat the fifth, man. Yeah. Yeah, beat the fifth. Wow. All right. Then. No, I, I think that's it. Okay, cool. I think that's a good place to end the podcast then. Mm-hmm. Naomi, thank you yep. for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'll be sure to have you on again, man. Definitely. My guys, as always, always, it's been a pleasure. And to everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. Peace. Hello and welcome to another Touchland Fracker Patreon piece. Very special um, recording ready for you guys today you know you're joined by myself dan coos on hosting duty and i'm joined by esteemed guests you know is my good friend sv carboholic sean how you doing my man yeah all good my bro all good man and we've got we've got dr doolittle the nutty professor <laughs> himself uh joining us as well dr mike how you doing yeah brother i'm all good man ready to ready to have some good discussions today about all things liverpool arsenal Good discussions, okay. And his his compatriot from the Kef uh, podcasting cast, uh, and my good friend Peter. How you doing, my man? Yeah, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. I feel like Mike's got into loads of tassels, and I've he somehow dragged me into them as well. But gonna gonna catch some strains, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Back well, me, no. Sometimes you just got to back exactly. it. Exactly. So you know, um, I'm looking forward to this one. But before we get into it, minor housekeeping. Thank you to all of you patrons that have subscribed. You know we love and appreciate you. Won't be able to do all of this stuff without you guys. So much, much love. If you do enjoy the content, make sure you tell a friend to tell a friend. You know, there is lots of Patreon content coming out on the Touchy Guna side. And I'm sure on the Kev side, if you're a Liverpool fan tuning into this on their stream as well, um, make sure you do subscribe. Any support that you guys show is much appreciated. Helps the pod out and helps us continue to grow um, and develop and push out this wonderful content. So this is a bit of a big game, you know. I heard some whispers on the on the grapevine that certain men were saying that, you know, there's potential statements that can be made after this game. You know, I've got my, my ear to the ground. Um, certain certain KEF members, cast members were talking about statement wins, this, that, and the other. Um, so I think this is a massive game for both teams, right? One point separates the teams, or two um, at the moment, in... Uh, first versus second. So the first of the, I guess, two double hitters coming up in the next couple of months, because I think we play you um, even three times, actually, before the end of February, um, between now and then, right? So we've got you uh, at Anfield first, December 23rd. Then you're coming to the Emirates and FA Cup third round. And then you come to the Emirates again um, for the reverse fixture in the Premier League. So, you know, I think this, this could be you know, one of the stories of the season, um, two teams that are top of the league vying to, to to fight for the big trophies. So, you know, I'll come to you, Dr. Mike, first because you're off mute. And just tell me how you feel about Liverpool's season so far. I think it's just... been it's been weird. So I think I'm obviously, I'm an optimistic guy. So I've always tried to look at the good things. And you obviously, we've tussled about it before we've spoken about where Liverpool are. I think it's quite clear we're working progress, but I'm quite happy to be working progress as one point off top in the league. You know, so 
what I've seen so far from all the teams that challenge actually, including City, by the way, is that they have some flaws and they have some problems that they need to work on. Now, I don't think the bar this season is going to be 90 plus points. I think it'll be a bit lower than that. So I think based on where we are as a side, yes, we're flawed and we have problems. I think the main problems we have in terms of control, maybe at times. So we, I think at Anfield, actually, and I think the last two games haven't been consistent with what we've done at Anfield so far this season, but we've had a lot of control at Anfield. So we've keep we've kept teams teams pending. Like Villa have come here and come to Anfield have got nothing. West Ham came to Anfield have got very little. You know, some really decent sides have come to Anfield and not really done that well. We've had like, good good compression in those games, good control, um, control transitions fairly well in those games. Van Dijk's been, especially at Anfield, very, very imperious. But I think the last couple of games, you're seeing our flaws that we've seen away from home also show themselves at Anfield, where we're having less control. Your transitions have been quite fruitful for opposing teams. Um, so there are things we need to work on for sure, but it's a, it's a, we're, we're a weird team. And I think most people are watching Liverpool this season thinking, you know, where are Liverpool? What are they going to be? What are they going to compete for this season? I'm less sure, having watched the last couple of games, what, we're, what we are. But again, we're a work in progress. That's one point off top of the table. And I think if you ask most Liverpool fans at the start of the season, given the fact we hadn't signed a holding midfielder, we missed out on Lavia, Caicedo, all of that stuff. If you told me we're going to go into a game against Arsenal, one point off Arsenal, you know, and if we win that game, we go top, all of us would have taken that, right? So we're in a good place, but we have a lot to work on. You're a meat, brother. Sorry, and your last two games was that that was United and then Fulham. Was that was it? Yes, was it United and Fulham. So Fulham, I think they're the first side that have come to Anfield and played through us in the way that they did. Like just really, right, really it, was, it wasn't it wasn't Fulham, it was, it was away Palace. from home. It was Palace. Yeah, no, but yeah. I'm talking about the, yeah, Palace as well. Palace as well. Palace was poor yeah. as well. So I think the last the last couple of league games have looked very unconvincing. So City was City was a good performance, I felt. You know, if you go away to City and you get a 1-1 draw and you kind of... City won, I thought, 23 games in a row or something ridiculous like that. We got a draw there. That was fine. Sheffield United was a weird game, but we, we kind of controlled most of it and did well. The Fulham game I wasn't happy with because I don't think... I don't want to see about Fulham coming to Anfield and receiving that level of encouragement that they got, right? So they got, they received so much encouragement that at times they were just playing through us. Mm. Down our right-hand side, our press was poor. They were playing through us with ease. I mean, the goal, some of the goals they scored, they're not just like transition moments they're just literally controlling the game dictating it playing through us and the goals we score in that game aren't goals that are about patterns of play they're four wonder goals you know so mm. I think since the international break our form has actually dipped and what you've seen is as a result of that form dipping players confidence has dipped so now all of a sudden Diaz isn't taking players on the way he was you know Sobazai looks a bit jaded at the moment Graven Birch at the moment is a bit jaded you know, so you're looking at the team, really. Salah's not really what he, what he was before the break. He's only scored one goal in five now. So you're looking at across the team now, and it's really weird that we're one point off top. We haven't lost since since the we we came back from the break. But all of a sudden, it starts to look a bit edgy. And I think the United game was a big one because I think going into that game, I was saying to the Coppin boys, and I'm sure Peter can attest to this, that this is going to be a weird game because we're much better than United. It's a derby game. They have nothing to lose. So I was thinking, look, this could be one of those games where they could they could sneak a win or it could be a bit messy. And it played out how, how I expected it to play out. It was a really rough game and we didn't have enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that sort of, that performance kind of eroded a lot of the belief I had. I still believe in trusting this team, but I'm looking at the game thinking like, rah, that was that was not good. So again, we're, mm-hmm. we're a really weird team. I'm not denying that at all. We're a very weird team. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so let me let me open the floor to you, to you, Peter, as well, right? So, like, where do you think your main strengths and weaknesses have been so far this season for Liverpool? So, well, I think with our main strengths, I think when I look at this team, I think the players, especially our world-class players, I feel like they're the ones who have really stepped up this season. So, you like, like, Ellison, Van Dijk, Trent, Salah. I feel like they've really carried the teams at moments. So obviously, we know about Ellison and he's, like, 1v1. Like, he's just unbelievable 1v1. I mean, we also seen Trent as well in moments, you know, the game against Fulham, he basically wins it against City, obviously, he grabs a point. Um, and yeah, like his quality is just, he's obviously, we know about his quality and on the ball, you know what I'm saying, he's really stepped up, stepped up in moments and then we know about Salah and him scoring goals. So um, I feel like our top players have really, really stepped up. Um, and then I feel like now you're just starting to see a couple of, you know, the contributors, maybe like your Nunes is your Diaz is. It's supposed like the other contributors, they're not probably giving us enough now. So it's like, you know, Salah can't every week, you know, carry us, maybe Trent carry us. These other contributors need to, you know, add a bit more. So I feel like that's probably a bit of a weakness in terms of that. I think um, throughout the season, obviously, I know the last couple of games have been, been a bit rough. I feel like our attack, you know, just having that kind of game changes off the bench. You know, if it's not dry scoring, maybe it might have been um, Salah scoring. If it wasn't Salah scoring, then... Someone like Elliot coming off the bench to score. So there's a lot of game changers in the squad. The attack um has, you know, a lot a lot of X factor in it, has a lot of players that can come and, you know, um do, you know, do do something off the bench and do, you know, have moments of quality. Um, I think with a weak weakness is definitely, I think, the midfield balance. So at times, you know, um I think Klopp hasn't always got it right with the decision. So sometimes, you know, maybe starting maybe like an Endo and a Graben Birch or like, you know, starting like a Elliot and like a McAllister are both kind of, you know, small and not probably don't cover the pitch enough and stuff like that. So I think the balance has been a bit off at times. I think at home it's been fine, but away from home, I don't think he's always picked the right three. I, I'm a big, you know, kind of Curtis Jones fan and I think he kind of ties together the team quite well. And he's really good on the ball. He's kind of press resistant. And sometimes I don't feel like Klopp is playing him enough. So someone like Graven Birch, his touch is brilliant and he's able to go past guys, but I don't think he's um, passing is very consistent. So, like, you don't control the game enough with someone like a grabbing bet sometimes. And it's supposed like, not similar, but, like, obviously, I don't think... Um, maybe his passing is not his strength and duels is obviously not his strength and Dan's reminded me about a hundred times about supposed like duels. Um, so, yeah. So, I think the balance of the midfield... Obviously, to be fair, like, all of them, we've signed literally all of them this season. So, I think Curtis Jones is the only one that stayed and Elliot... Everyone else is literally new signing, so um, that new that whole DM situation as well. Um, I think yeah, the midfield balance can be a bit off sometimes. I think they have done well and in moments, and I feel like um, you know, like we have managed to get through games, and they've obviously offered you know what they can. But yeah, that balance obviously compared to maybe someone like obviously your midfield probably as well. Um, yeah, that's probably probably can be one obviously weaknesses in that squad. So yeah. Yeah, fair, fair play. I think I think you've both been quite fair and balanced there um, in in your analysis of your own team. So, Sean, I'll, I'll 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 come to you now in looking at Liverpool, right? So, you know, this season I think most expected them to you know be a big improvement on what we saw last last season because you know I don't think anyone thought last season was particularly acceptable from a Liverpool perspective, especially when you consider the season before. They basically played every single game that was possible, right? Got to all the finals, um, were in the the um 
the the race for the title right up until you know the last 30 minutes of the last game you know so i think last season was a bit unexpected so you know i think people expect them to bounce back so when you're looking at liverpool this season sort of have you how like how impressed have you been by them or you know is there an element of like false image type of thing with their position in the league table just what's your what's your opinion as an outsider yeah, from 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 the games I've watched, I still think whenever I watch a clock team, I always expect a clock team to put teams under mad pressure, score loads of goals, um, and you know suffocate the life out of teams. And and I, I still think that aspect of because you know we've spoken sometimes in our chat about how I, I like the makeup of Liverpool's attack. You know, I, I think they have like you know five good attackers. They can all create and score individually. And, and we've spoken about having some more like that within within our setup so i still think on the whole there's not a lot too much wrong in terms of their attack their midfield obviously if i'm correct so they bought four midfielders in the summer i think i think my thing is with the amount of money spent like i was like did they really obviously suppose and McAllister were the two main ones they got right but i was kind of like was was endo and gravenberg as necessary or surely they should have plowed more of those, those funds obviously i know they didn't get caicedo or lavia but looked at another DM, I thought, you know, maybe like a Jao Paulini, I would have been, obviously he's not maybe as nice an option as, as a Lavia or a Caicedo, but I really think that six is critical for them um, because when I'm watching Liverpool at the moment, I'm like elite going forward, but I still think they concede a lot of transitions and obviously Van Dijk is still elite, but he's he can't stop it all himself. Um, I think you can, Liverpool just, they look like they can be hurt, you know, and I think to Mike's point, he was speaking about the Fulham game where it was like, Teams were getting through them a bit too easily, and I think I think that those are the warning signs, right? When you watch, when you watch that, you're like, do you know what I mean? And when I think about the pomp under under Klopp, right? You had a different makeup in your midfield of there wasn't much creativity, um, and you sort of outsourced that to like your fullbacks, right? And and you had the front three very narrow, um, so you had like Milner, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Fabinho, all of those guys doing a lot of work in terms of suffocating teams centrally. Um, and you sort you could sort of cheat with the front three not coming back, but that's because you had such a workforce midfield. Whereas obviously it looks like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but you obviously you've evolved the midfield now. Try to be a bit more possession orientated, um, trying to build a bit more through the thirds. But with that, naturally will come teething issues, right? And and certain guys who are maybe not as good going the other way, they don't press as well, they don't cut out um, passing lanes as well. So I think those are probably the teething issues these guys are going through. I think signing a six would definitely help, but. Um, it's probably just going to be come from from playing more more together, right? I think naturally when you sign four different centre mids in the season, you're you're not going to expect that to click straight away. Um, maybe it's incumbent on Klopp to to settle on a free, maybe rather than chopping and changing consistently. So um, I think considering all that we've just said, I still think they're in a really really good position, um, mm. and I expect them to improve. Obviously, uh, I think the lack of a six and, and maybe a good left back, uh, correct me if I'm wrong as well, might hinder them as well um, in the long call. But I think Liverpool will always be in and around because they have so much danger from everywhere in the offensive position. So I would never rule them out. Um, and the fact that you have, in my opinion, like one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen and you have one of the best forwards the Premier League's ever seen, I, I think Liverpool will always be up there, man. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's really fair, man. Because you know, I think I, I like the point that Peter made um, as well around the, the the key sort of stakeholders in that Liverpool team um, are, are looking like they're back to their best. You know, I think Allison, Van Dijk, um, Trent, and Salah. You know, that's that's world class 
ability there from all four of those players. And if they are, you know, sort of playing to their maximum, those four, that's probably enough in most games to get you over the line, um, to be honest. But I think the, the slight difference maybe with the previous teams of old is, you know, I think you had that Sadio Mane as well. You had a Trent... Uh, a Robertson as well, giving you some attacking impetus on that left-hand side, which, you know, maybe this season we've not necessarily seen as much. Robertson's been out injured and, you know, I think whoever you've played on the left, they've not necessarily been able to fill um, those those shoes. But, you know, I think that the main thing with Liverpool, for me, in this first sort of half of the season was making sure they're, you know, in that conversation because January is a chance to go again, you know, and rectify positions that you weren't necessarily able to meet and rectify in the summer. So if Liverpool were within touching distance of the top and they went out and got, you know, maybe the defensive midfielder that, you know, escaped you in the last few weeks of the window, then you put yourself in a great position. And, you know, I think regardless of whatever the result is um, against us, you're going to be within touching distance. And then you'd like to think that, you know, the club goes out and does whatever is required to 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 maybe potentially bridge that gap or just solidify your position, you know, um, depending on where um, where where you come out. So um, I'm going to switch the point of emphasis to Arsenal now um, before we actually get into the nitty gritty of the game. Um, and Sean, I'll come back to you just to give your thoughts on on Arsenal so far this season, what's impressed you, you know, where you think um, we're doing well and where you think we're, we're, we're not necessarily. Yeah, I, th I think we're doing all right, man. I think, you know, a lot of the discourse amongst Arsenal fans sometimes tends to, we're always comparing to last season, right? So a lot of people, we were very rock and roll in the nature we had last season. Some people thought we were a bit more exciting, um, but I think it was a lot easier because we tended just to play the same team in the league pretty much every single game last season. So we had a level of continuity. We knew everything that was going to be and we, and we gradually just progressed with that team. But I think naturally when you're playing like we are this season, three games a week, you need that, that bigger squad, you're rotating. I think uh, Sunday against Brighton was the first time we had named an unchanged lineup all season. So that kind of just shows you, you know, the... The lack of continuity we've had this season, obviously injuries, we're not the only one with injuries, but we've had loads of injuries, suspensions, et cetera, et cetera. So that's probably impeded the lack of continuity that we can have. Um, overall, the style that we've sort of changed towards uh, for, you know, this season tends to be a bit more focused on suffocating teams. You know, last season with Xhaka and Party, I think compared to, you know, so essentially we could just do the comparison, right? Xhaka and Party compared to, to Rice and Havertz, the first two are more what we would quote unquote say are progressive passes where um I think Rice and Havertz are a bit more athletic. They're much more they're they're much more runners and and you've seen that, you know, a lot of our work off the ball this season. I think we're far and away the best defensive team in the league this season. Um even against Brighton, which I thought was probably our best attacking performance of the season, they did not get a sniff. Um I think the first half alone we had 15 shots and Brighton had zero. They Gabriel and Saliba literally beat up Evan Ferguson. Rice was winning the ball very bearing in mind his idea and was winning the ball very close to like their final third so we have been really really good at suffocating teams not letting teams out almost to a point it reminisces like of the of, you know Liverpool with like under under clock when they had those three centre mids who used to suffocate teams and literally just keep them penned in and and that's how it's been a lot of the time um I know some people have complained it's not been as exciting to watch maybe it's a bit more dull but I don't mind man um 
you know, how many times have we spoken in the past that City have had so many boring two, three nil games where there's no narrative, nothing happens. Like it was great. Like last season, we had, you know, loads of those comeback wins, like the, the Villa one, the Bournemouth one. But I think a lot of the teams that win the title, right, they're just ruthless and they don't give teams any, like, when Liverpool won the title, there was no drama. There weren't any, like, rock and roll games. Whereas I think the season before, you guys had a lot of, like, you know, those three twos, those four threes. But title winners are just two nil, three nil, kill it off. And, and I think that's how City, for the most part, have always been under Pep, right? There's no narrative to the games. You're just better. You shut them down. You don't give the opposition anything. And those are positive trends um, that we've seen. Um, obviously, the slight criticism we've had is that we've been quite profligate in the final third. And some of our decision making um, sometimes has still been questionable. Even on uh, Sunday against Brighton, even though we blamed them for the whole game, like we didn't kill the game to like when Habert scored in the 87th minute, right? And I think when you're 1-0 up, like you're leaving games to find margins, you're you're susceptible to games going the other way. And Brighton literally only had like two attempts the whole game on Sunday. But <laughs> one of the key attempts they had, they could have made it 1-1 with like 10 minutes to go. And, and that would have, they didn't deserve anything from that game. But it just shows the, the need to be able to finish our dinner. So if I'm talking about areas of improvement for us, I think the attack... Um, definitely at times in terms of their decision-making. And as much as I love both of them, I'm looking at, you know, Martinelli and Saka weren't, they could have been a bit more precise and Erdegaard in, in terms of the decisions they made on Sunday. So, but just to conclude, overall, very positive. I think we're trending on a good upward trajectory. Hopefully we gather. Um, I'm looking at party timber. Those are key pillars that I hope can be fit, um, along with ESR now back as well for the second half of the season. And, and hopefully that can stand us in good stead. Um, looks like we might be active in jam as well. So, um, my thing is, I just want us to have a fit team and have as many options as possible so we can cater for like injuries and suspensions. But I think we're all right, man. We're in a decent position and I expect us to be competing uh, in all the competitions we're in now until the final and hopefully we can win one. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that's fair, man. And and from my my perspective on Arsenal, I think, you know, the, the thing that I am really like taking a lot of solace in and so it's from is that like when I look at the games that we've dropped points, um, I don't feel like you know it's necessarily like oh we've been second best on the day if that makes sense right so like I've always felt that you know either we've been the better team or we've been very competitive and it's been an even match so you know you look at the two losses um, you know against Newcastle I thought that's probably a nil-nil on another day you know I don't want to get into VAR situations but you know it comes down to a very fine margin on the day Newcastle away tough ground to go Aston Villa away you know we really 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 um should have scored you know from the amount of chances the amounts um of situations that we created you know poor finishing um I look at some of the draws um that we've had you know Chelsea away just nightmarish errors um that you're getting from from the keeper you know fulham you know two errors spurs you know like absolute howler from Jorginho, right so when i'm seeing these things happen i'm saying that right let me look at you know to borrow some from german dan let me look at the game model you know um we've come to all of these games with different game plans you know we've come with um different methods of pressing you know different methods of chance creation We've got, you know, variety. So, you know, I look at the, the way that we pressed against Spurs and Brighton. That's a very different game plan to how we played against Man City, for example. 
right? Um, very different to how we played uh, against Aston Villa as well, to give you another example. So, you know, we're not always pressing high in all these games. We're, we're sometimes doing a mid-block. We're not always um, trying to find players out, out wide. Sometimes we're going more direct, uh, long ball um, to the strike or to, to Havertz and stuff. And I'm saying that I feel like the manager has got a plan for most of these games that allows us to come out of them with our head held high. And so I'm feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, the fact that we've gone, come to this stage of the season where Eddie and Ketty had to start, you know, 10 of the first 11 games, you know, we didn't have um, Martinelli for uh, about six weeks. Saka was playing with an injury. Odegaard was playing with an injury. Ben White's been out injured. We've missed party for the whole season. We, you know, a new signing that was going to be, I think, quite a key player to us this season has been missing for, you know, the entire season. We're not going to see him until February. And we, and we find ourselves top of the league, winning uh, winning the Champions League um, group stage and stuff. So I'm saying that when these players come back, um, we should be in a great position. And that's not to say that, you know, I think some of the squad players that we've had, we, they've been unfortunate with injuries as well, that this could be a time where, you know, in these last few weeks, we could have found another player in Fabio Vieira, but he's had to have surgery. We could have found another player in Emil Smith-Rowe, who's contributed to us in the past, but he's had to have surgery. So, you know, we, we've come with, uh, you know, I guess a bit of a smaller group than what we had planned, but they've got us over the line so far. And I feel like if we can go into the second half of the season with all of these players back, I trust in the manager enough that he's going to be able to, you know, get the game plans, the game models um, sufficiently in place to, you know, conquer um, the obstacles that we might have um, coming coming towards us. So, you know, uh, Mike and Peter, I'll open up to you to give me your uh, opinions on Arsenal and then we can talk about the game um, in a bit more detail. So I'll start with you, Mike. Yeah, I've been largely impressed by Arsenal this season. I think defensively, I think that's the thing that stands out. And, and I compared on, on a pod maybe a few weeks ago on the main pod, I compared you to a Mourinho side. And that wasn't in any way a derogatory comment. I think I'm not comparing you to a United Mourinho side. I'm comparing you to the great Mourinho sides. And I think what those sides did is you knew going into a game, you had to fight for your life to create a good chance against those Chelsea teams, those Madrid teams. And against Arsenal right now, what's happening is teams are having very few opportunities to create a good chance. And they know that if you create a couple of good chances, if you miss them, that might be your lot for the game. That's what it's like for Arsenal now. So Arsenal at the moment, I think that you're built around that kind of platform that Saliba, Gabriel and Rice offer you. And it's really, really strong. And I think Erdegaard's now come to the party. Now you, you, you kind of having him far more influential. I think the things that I'm clinging on to as a, as a hater um, in terms of watching Arsenal is the attack not being as fluent as it was last season. And I think... When it comes to winning the title in this era, I, I still do think there is the idea of you need to look dangerous. And I think that is coming now for Arsenal. So the Brighton game, I watched it and I thought Arsenal were like immense. You know, they made Brighton look like a, a lower league team on the day. Like Brighton, I can't think of anything beyond a chance towards the end. I can't think of anything else they created. Evan Ferguson comes off having barely touched the ball. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a really impressive performance. But when I say you need to look dangerous, it's because you can be defensively solid but if the score's 1-0, 85 minutes, teams have hope, teams have belief. Football's a random game. A team gets a set piece in the 87th minute, they scored a set piece, all of a sudden Arsenal have drawn the game. So I do think that preventing goals is a good approach for Arsenal, but goals are random events, and sometimes goals can come from teams, just a mistake, 
you know, maybe Zinchenko miscontrols the ball or something. Small things can happen that can create can lead to a goal. But I think the signs for Arsenal are good. I think did the last couple of weeks, I think the game against, I think was it Wolves where you kind of battered them in the first half, um, and against Brighton, those are signs that indicate to me that okay, Arsenal are back in terms of that kind of attacking fluency. Um, and I think once you kind of get Martinelli and Saka isolated one v one more often with their fullbacks, I think that was a, a, a theme last season then you will start to score more goals and look more dangerous. But I do think there is the idea of looking more dangerous because at the moment, and going into the game this weekend, I know Liverpool are going to have to work hard to create a chance. But I know that it might be 1-187 minutes. And I know that there might be something that happens in the last 10 minutes. That's like a random event. That means that we can still take something from the game. So yeah, Arsenal look like a team that can compete for the title. And I think one thing I'll say about Arsenal as well is thinking beyond the title, the Champions League as well, I would, because of how defensively solid you are, I would back you against most teams across two legs because in knockout competitions, it's all about stop doing silly shit. You know, don't concede chances and, you know, kick, try and get something on the break. And Arsenal tend to do that quite well. So in a knockout competition, you might have a chance. But I do also think the next kind of evolution, and to use German Dan's phrase, the kind of module you need to kind of add to the, add to the game plan is looking a bit more fluent going forward. And I think that is starting to happen. But now you probably need Saka and Martinez to go for a spell now where they maybe get five and six. You know, they start to look more dangerous and teams start to fear them because once you have that aura in attack and teams start to really scare, fear you, once you score one goal in some games, what happened with us when we were dominant, we would score one goal, Mane gets the opener, Jossa gets the opener, and then teams are already thinking, yeah, it's done. They're going to score another. It's done. Whereas if you're a sort of team that you score one and look defensively solid and teams are kind of thinking, hmm, they might give us a chance though, like 85th minute then you're, you're always giving teams some kind of carrot and some kind of hope. So that's the next, kind of next evolution for Arsenal. But I, I, as a hater, unfortunately, you've been very, very impressive this season. And yes, uh, it's very unsettling um, as a hater of yours. Yeah. Uh, and Peter, anything that you want to add to that? Um, or are you happy for us to get straight into the game? Yeah. Um, I think he's covered everything, really. I think... <clears throat> just to touch on it, I think it's the athleticism for me. It's just the athleticism of Gabriel, Sleeve and Rice, like them three. Like them three are just like peak. <laughs> like, that's, like it's peak. Like it, I think I used comparison in our chat as well. It's like when we had like that Van Dyke, Matip or Gomez, Fabinho kind of like, you know, spine as well, where it's just like, you're just not really getting much. Like you're not getting anything really. Like when you're 1v1 of any of them, they're in control most of the time. Rice is, like, just recovering. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, like, just constantly just winning the ball back for you guys quickly. Like, so, yeah, I think you guys are just kind of building from that spine and then, you know, everyone else is also, like, you know, chipping and doing their thing as well. But that spine really gives you just an amazing platform to kind of kick on. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you guys are looking, you guys are looking all right still. Looking all right. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.